Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I certainly have not grown up in sausage culture. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kevin, and aside from Jump Around, the Brewers' sausage run is the greatest American sports tradition. Fight me. <laughs> hey, I'm Nathan, and honestly, anytime that they ask, do you want bacon or sausage, I'm picking sausage. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob, and if I'd known this was going to be such a sausage fest, I would have told my agent to turn down the gig. (laughs) All right, well done. So you guys were nervous, and that was perfect. See, right, right on through. Uh, So as as you as you uh, have heard, we have two special guests with us tonight. Uh, Our first guest is Nathan Collier, and uh, he he's here in Raleigh with with me and and Potter. but he is part of the Concilium Watch YouTube channel and is kind of the lead guy on our Infinity podcast or group here. Um, so Nathan, tell us uh, what's going on with you and what you do. Yeah. Um, well, Infinity was my first ever war game, period. I, uh, I didn't know any of this existed until about six years ago when I was about to go to college i was just trying to figure out what to do for the summer and i just happened to stumble across some youtube videos of people playing this game that looked like XCOM, but in real like in real life and i was blown away i i immediately was like how can i get in on this this is awesome and uh yeah since then i've uh tried to build a bit of a community here and eventually became an official war corps and now and me and me and a couple buddies are doing a YouTube channel called Concilium Watch where we focus on like the new player experience and really trying to get down into the deep like nitty-gritty of each faction and you know some people can get lost in it all and so we like to just go through show you all of the miniatures this is what it looks like this is what it can do on your table and get people excited for the game I've I've always I've uh, one of the things that I've always liked about your show, Nate, is the uh, the excitement that you guys all have. Uh, anytime you guys do any of the sectoral reviews or just talking about any of the factions, just just the excitement is so good. Um, and the other the other thing I think you guys nail and and if if you aren't watching his show on YouTube, you should. Uh, the other thing that you guys nail is you're always the right length. Mm. The show's never too long. You're never too far into the weeds where it gets like obnoxiously boring or anything, or it, and it's never too little information. So it's always just right. And I don't know how you achieve it, but it's wonderful. Hey, I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> Indeed, and we do have another special guest, as uh, Paul nodded, and that guest is Bob Fletcher, who's the leader of the Tidewater Infinity Group. Uh, and my understanding, and and is that you know you run a pretty big tournament every year if you want to plug that tournament tell us how you got into infinity maybe the road to infinity uh other games you play also infinity and plug your group and what you do oh my gosh uh well thanks for having me uh if we're gonna go into the wayback machine i mean i started role-playing games when i was in high school my first war game like most people was 40k uh, mm-hmm. like way, way back, back when you can get 30 space Marines for $30. So <laughs> might, be, <laughs> might be aging myself a little bit there, but, um, I remember, uh, over time I kind of 
fell out of love with 40k. It was a little bit of a larger scale than I want, um, but I had always enjoyed the games like Necromunda and Blood Bowl that I had played from them. Um, later on, years later, uh, about five or six years ago, when I kind of wanted to get back into wargaming again, I originally thought I was going to look at Necromunda again, see if I could start that up. And this was well before GW had decided to reboot that. And a friend showed me Infinity. Uh, this was right around the end of N2, headed into N3. So I started collecting an army as I waited for N3 to drop. And by the time that it did, I was ready to go. Um, I really always enjoyed those smaller scale skirmish type games as much as anything else. Um, and so then I uh, got involved with the community here and sort of somehow ended up leading it in some fashion or another. And that ultimately culminated in putting together the Tidewater Tempest that you uh, referenced. Uh, we did our first one in 2019, uh, had 18 people attending, so very modest. In 2020, uh, we actually managed to get the Tempest in right before COVID shut everything down. It was literally like the weekend before. Uh, and we had 32 people for nice. that event. So it was a nice jump in attendance. Uh, and we start, you know, we just saw that we were attracting people from broader regional areas. So it's been a lot of fun. I was there and it was great. Oh, thank you. I just missed out. I was, I was invited to go along in the car and I was like, I don't know enough about infinity yet. I'll wait like another month and then I'd be willing to go. It's, it's pretty awesome. And something that I just wanted to, I kept this in mind as you were talking, Bob. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned that when you got into Infinity was at the break between N2 and N3. Because truthfully, you know, it's, it's possible that there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this episode right now that are in the exact same position that you were in that break. Because in-person play really hasn't returned in most places yet. So I would imagine there are quite a few players and people that might be listening and are going to be curious about the topic that we have at hand here that are in that space between versions, right? Because it, it, in general, like I've played one game of N4 and that's only because I have a close quarantine buddy. But I think for the most part, people that have picked up the game over quarantine, they may have not played yet. So I think that's it's kind of a cool, interesting perspective that you have that you jumped in in between versions and that we are actually sitting sort of in this like weird between space right now too. And, and CB really handled this transition, I think, better than they did the one from N2 to N3. Um, you had to wait a bit longer when N3 dropped for everything to be available. Like, you know, they didn't have fire teams directly available. A lot of, a lot of things were changing. And N4 really was much more of a seamless transition, uh, helped partly by Code 1, I'm sure. Yeah, I think greatly by Code 1, right? Like most of us that had read and poured over that Code 1 game, and I had played like three or four games of Code 1 by the time that I read the N4 rules, and I was like, oh, it's just like extra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. It actually surprised me that, you, you know, we, we were able to make that, that connection where, you know, N4 is truly built on, like when they were like, it's built on Code 1, we were like, uh-huh, sure, guys, <laughs> show me. And then it really is that way. Um, it's a pretty cool trick they pulled. <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to a guy today, and it was I was talk, telling him the same things that you guys had mentioned on the, the show before, was that the very nice thing about Code 1 is that you're not trying to forget anything from Code 1, you're just adding in more. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and that that's always one of the best selling points about it. And, you know, 
we didn't know at first, right? We nobody knew how how closely how aligned similar, it would yeah. be because so, so many times you just think, oh, it's just a, a half-assed version, and and they right. definitely they definitely nailed that. And if you're talking about the community at large, right? It's people that are like, yeah, you buy Kill Team, and that's your on ramp to to 40k. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, <laughs> these games, not are, these at games, all. these games aren't <laughs> similar at all. No. Um, and it. it it really is this the same game system, right? Like the chassis is the same. There's just a more luxury car in the N4 model. Um, so yeah, it's very cool. Uh, but Paul, what what is our main topic tonight? What are we actually here for? What's the reason for the season? <laughs> so so it's kind of along the lines of what you're just talking about, Kevin. Um, but what we want to look at tonight is uh, community building and and kind of recovering. Uh, from covid right and and how are how are we going to build back communities especially for a game like infinity that has gone through an addition change and like you just said there's a ton of people who are kind of in limbo whether they're just hearing about the game or uh have been waiting for n4 to jump in or wondering if code one's right for them so there's a lot of people out there right now who may not have actually had the chance to experience Infinity. Um, so I think there's opportunity to kind of look at ways to bring those people into the game and and want to play it. But the nice thing is that all games have this problem, right? So everybody's kind of on that same foot of we've been out of it for a year. So whether you're, so whether you're thinking about Infinity or you're thinking about the other side or you're thinking about uh, Warcaster Neo Mechanica or 40k or whatever you're going to find that there's a lot of similarities where everybody is right now so even though we're going to be talking a lot about Infinity I think a lot of the things we're going to be talking about are applicable to any game system every single one of us is having the same challenges and it's not anything to do with the system itself it's to do with the amount of time that has passed since we've been able to regularly engage with the community. Definitely. Yeah, and that and that makes it a, a challenge, right? Because one of the one of the big things that you have is that consistency of weekly game night and seeing the same people um, and getting to get into the game and, and not just uh, uh, theory hammer everything, but actually to be able to get out there um, and and to be able to do it. Hmm. So Getting started on that, one of the things um, for Nathaniel, right? So, so you're the community here in Raleigh um, was kind of really just getting started uh, when when everything hit. So, um, I I wanted to ask you, like, how do you go about taking a store or a town or whatever that has almost no infinity community, but people who are interested in it. How do you take that and actually start that community? Yeah. Uh, as you said, uh, we were actually really starting to run as a community right before COVID hit. Um, I think the biggest thing is when, when you're trying to set up a community and get people interested in the game, You've got to have consistency. And that's the thing that I I had struggled with for years, like loving this game, but struggling to set up games with people and like getting people into the stores and just playing. 
because uh, you just have to be committed to go in. I picked like a Wednesday night and said, I'm going to be there every Wednesday night after work. So once you start getting that consistency, you can start to create a relationship with like the store owner and set up like a specific, like every week I'm going to have these tables and if people see you out there, the big thing that I focused on was having really flashy terrain on my table. So I would have all these people see me sitting there next to the table with all this cool terrain and stuff all over it. And people would walk up because it looks cool. And mm-hmm. be, me being there every week and people seeing something that looks really cool, it got people talking. And uh, that's... Really, I think the biggest thing was once we had a consistent group, more people connected, we were able to start like a Facebook group and eventually our local Discord, which has been our main form of communication while we're all apart from each other. So, and and maybe Bob, maybe this is something that you could, you could get into. Um, how, how do you make your game stand out? Right. So like, again, whether it's Infinity or any other game, what what as a community leader do you do to make it stand out? There's an element to it that Nathan already referred to, which is just going to be kind of that cadence of events and um, meetups. That's going to be pretty critical for something like this. Um, The part that I think that you have to remember with the visibility is setting up some sort of a game night and doing your best to commit to being there every single time that there's a game night. Now, the part that's really difficult about that is that a lot of us don't have the ability to be able to commit to do that every single week. I mean, I've got a two and a half year old at home, uh, a job just like anybody else does, and it's not going to work out every single week. And so what I did is I recently... Uh, as we're trying to ramp things up again, I've recruited people from the area, people that I know are really invested in the game and people that I know are great uh, representatives of the community to help me take some of that weight uh, and participate in being there on some of those nights, like if I can't be. Uh, so that the the other piece is putting the word out there. Um, one of the first things that I did when I, when I started into, into this area, there was already a bit of a small community that was in place. They were starting to run some events. There were some really great guys, um, getting the game kind of started in the area. And I, I came in, I saw that there were a few things that I wanted to do to try and grow and build the community. And that included doing a Facebook page. Um, we've done a discord, although I find that our community kind of runs the opposite of Nathan's. I, I've always depended on the Facebook page more than the discord, but being able to get that information out there, get as many people as possible into it and get as much conversation going as I possibly could was another one of the ways. Um, not too long after that, I went ahead and I applied for the war Corps and Surprisingly, after about a year or so, finally came through and I, I got that position. And then I really started to dive in and try to uh, build the community more and more in this area. Um, and part of that was, as Nathan says, 
you know, running the events, running the game nights, making sure that you've got everything set up and uh, looking nice so that people are coming over to check things out um, and get them really kind of interested and jazzed in the idea of playing this game as well. So I have a, I have a, I have a follow-up question, uh, and maybe this, this goes into my, my thinking that this, you know, this just isn't for Infinity people, but it seems like now the whole Warcore thing, or the equivalent from other, other companies, has kind of disappeared a lot. Um, so do you, what about for companies that don't offer a, a program like that, that don't necessarily have that incentive? Is there anything, Bob or, or Nathan, that you think uh, might be useful for somebody in a game like Privateer Press that doesn't have that, you know, motivation from the company to do it? Mostly it's just grab the, grab the reins and start running with it. Um, you know, it's nice what CB will do for us as the war cores. We have some resources, maybe that the average person doesn't, but it's, it, it, it's not like they're sending us a paycheck every week or anything like that. I mean, it's just, it's something that you get interested in doing and interested in wanting to see the community grow and flourish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll jump in too, Paul, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Cause the, there's the, the half step, which is asthma day, right? That like, cause I play a lot of crisis protocol and I was, you know, like eight months into getting that community started or maybe not, not even eight months, like five months getting that community started in Madison before everything got shut down. Um, and the thing that I did was I came up with like a pretty solid demo script that, that I could run. And then I worked with the local friendly game stores that would have me for demos and found out whether or not they were willing to support me and advertise organized play. And then also order organized play kits where they were available or offer prize support in the way of gift cards or any sort of part, like weekly participation. Cause that's another thing you can, you know, approach a store and ask them, Hey, if we do a growth league for this game and people are buying product and they're showing up, is there anything we could do if they come after, you know, if they come six weeks out of an eight week growth league where they get like a $15 gift card or whatever. And as long as, and most from the game stores, they want butts and seats, right? They want people playing. They want people buying product at the store. Um, so that would be my piece of advice for the game, the company that, or the game that doesn't have something like a war core. Um, it's a little bit more work obviously to step up and take the reins yourself, but there are like lots of small things that you can do to really help, uh, kickstart a community. Finding a good game store is going to be one of the, the first things that you have to do. You're right. Yeah. Um, I have the luxury of living in a fairly large area. There's probably about a dozen or more game stores in Hampton Roads or Tidewater. And through all of my searching, only two of them stocked Infinity product. And only one of those was really interested or motivated in kind of being the seat of the community, if you could call it that. Mm -hmm. um, Tower of Games here in uh, Virginia Beach and in now in Newport News as well. And yeah, you had to find kind of that ally within the store yeah, that definitely. is that is willing to kind of support you as you are trying to do things, help you with scheduling time in the stores uh, to have tournaments or game nights, all of that kind of stuff. So, yep. and, and a lot of that, let me tell you is asking that store owner how you can help them. 
because as soon as you ask a retailer how you can help them to with a community coming in, they'll be a lot more likely to uh, open up to you and get space available and work with you for your events because they'll know you're serious. Yeah. So now, so now I have a question um, for for Nathan. How um, how did you decide on uh, you know Game Theory as the store that? we were going to be at as a community what what made you uh most attracted to to that store that it kind of became the one we were playing at yeah um we had a bit of an interesting situation where we have a few stores around here one of them is fairly large and has a lot of infinity product it's got the most infinity product out of any of them but the real problem was is that every time we went to them to ask for access to tables for events or things. Uh, I mean, other games are just taking precedence. And so we had to sort of move away from those stores. And I think we settled on game theory specifically because as Bob was saying, like if I can't be at the store, I need other people to be able to fill in that spot for me. And there's a few of us that are very close to game theory. So if I can't be there, then maybe Jonathan can be there or uh, Jesse. So it's uh, it, it just worked out best for us because we were a fairly small community. Being able to have multiple people that are willing to go into the store that are fairly close and able to go in. And in addition to that, we actually were talking with the uh, store managers and they were expressing that if we can show that we have a lot of people who are going to be coming to these weekly events, they actually said that they would consider having an infinity shelf for us for stocking new products. And then COVID messed all that up, but um. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and to give you an example of, of how important it is for that consistency, I, I had multiple false starts on infinity. Um, there have been a, uh, at least twice that I tried and failed to play the game. And at least one of those times, Nathan, I, I, I very specifically remember this. Uh, I was playing at Gamer's Armory, and I remember you coming in there and being like, wow, somebody's playing Infinity. And I always remembered you from that. And then when uh, things started kicking up here, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Nathan. He's that guy that I saw that one time. He was super <laughs> stoked about Infinity. Um but one of the this this time uh, it was seeing Jesse and Jonathan at Game Theory week in week out while I was playing other games and they were playing Infinity. So it was knowing that there were at least two other people uh, playing that got me to come back around and say, "Yeah, I wanna I wanna look at Infinity again. It's a new edition. This is probably the right time to to give it another go and see if it sticks." Yeah. So that that consistency was it. Like that was that was the main thing that that led me in there. It's all about being seen. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but literally every time I was playing in the store, there was at least one person that said, "Hey, this looks cool. Like, what are you guys doing over here?" And people are going to be hesitant yeah. to get into a new game if they don't feel like there's anybody that's going to be available to play it. So That's true. But yeah, if you see people the same, you know, the same people every week, and also those people are playing on decked out rad looking tables, you know, like infinity tables have a look. Yes, they um, do. 
and it's cool. Well, and the, and the other thing too is that when when it was just Jesse and Jonathan playing initially, they were always having fun, and you could see that they were having fun. But it, you know, and you could see that they were they were in the game, and and that just kind of you know always caught my eye. I was like, man, Jesse and Jonathan are having a lot of fun with Infinity. I need to get back to it, and so it was it just that consistency really is a, a huge bit of it. Um, and it works. Trust me, it works. I can look at my three sectorals and it works. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let's move on a little bit. Um, Bob specifically right now, uh, coming out of COVID, this is kind of a two part question, right? What the first part is, what's this like health of your community coming out right now? And, Looking back over the past year, was there anything specific that you did to keep the community together and keep it in the state that it's in now? Yeah, right now, a lot of it's up in the air. I mean, the, the Facebook group started out when COVID originally hit for the first several months. People were still, you know, posting up there, talking about, you know, things that they wanted to do once everything was over. And then as that dragged on and on and on, it got quieter and quieter. Um, I know that there are still a fair number of the regulars available there uh, that are still seeing the posts, communicating. And then there's been actually a decent number of new people joining the group over the past couple few months, which has been good to see. Um, I think as we see life start to uh, normalize a bit more, uh, I think we'll see it pick up more and more momentum. Um, the challenge I really see these days is getting past that kind of that malaise of the lockdown. Um, I think, I really do think that people want to play, but they're so used to not playing for so long that now it's going to take all that extra effort to get them back into some sort of a routine. It's it, in a lot of ways, it's almost like we're starting over back at square one again. Yeah. I can tell you though, to ease that a little bit, once you get that first game in and you know, I haven't had my first game of like post vaccination infinity yet, but I did just play a different game last Thursday. And all I can think about is getting out and playing this Thursday, <laughs> however I can do it. Um, so I think once you bust people out of that funk, um, Get them out that first time. I, I do think that's an interesting perspective, though, and I, I hadn't considered the the fact that I do feel that way. I feel like, you know, ugh, why leave the house? I mean, it's like the new normal is just like being in and just doing whatever, you know, watching TV, painting some minis, reading books, whatever. It's not really getting out of the house anymore. So I think you're right. Like breaking that cycle is going to be really hard and not just for like. Nor the normal gaming shut-in, right? Like, everybody, like, everyone is going to have a hard time with this. Yeah. No, and, you know, some of the folks, I, th I think Nathan did a lot more of this than I did, and maybe some of you guys did as well, but, I mean, TTS worked for some people. Oh, yeah. Um, using Tabletop Simulator. I personally uh, never used it. I don't have a computer at home that can handle it, and it's, it's honestly, it's just not how I want to play the game. So maybe that was a little bit of a blind spot for me, but I know that there were some people in the community that were using it to a certain degree. So that was another way that That's uh, interesting. some yeah. people stayed connected to it. And there were a lot I'm of home games going on too. 
Yeah, we, I, I had some home games. That was how I played, right? I had I had two people that were sort of like in my quote unquote quarantine group because uh, they were taking the similar precautions, similar jobs, similar exposure, right? So um, I was able to get a few games in, but it wasn't like every week. It was like I played three games of Infinity, two games of Malifaux, and one game of A Song of Ice and Fire over the entire pandemic. Right. Um, so not a ton of home games, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Paul, did you ever get into any TTS or, um, or virtual playing? I'll be honest with you. One of, one of my, uh, main TTS experiences was actually, uh, with Nathan recording a bat rep for Concilium Watch. Yes, that Um, was a, that was a fun game. That was a fantastic game. I would have had my butt handed to me if you weren't like, Hey, <laughs> use the nano pulse or use the flash pulse. <laughs> Don't put that guy there. <laughs> it's uh, so, assisted learning. Yes, exactly. It was it was much appreciated. So so Nate, did you do uh, beyond beyond what you're doing for uh, Concilium Watch? Did you do a whole lot of uh, TTS gaming? Oh yeah, uh, I I have been consistently uh, playing a lot of TTS during the during the pandemic and um there are some really great communities out there um specifically like there's the random access league um online they've got a whole discord channel they're really great a really positive community and they've got a lot of like new player resources where they'll have entire tournaments where you can be like set up with a buddy who can help coach you through things and help learn the game it's been really great to see them sort of flourish during the pandemic and sort of open up a whole new, like, it's it's basically reaching a whole new group of people. And um, that's super neat. For me, in our like local community, we have definitely been doing a couple of like TTS um, events, and. Um, part of the big reason that we even started Concilium Watch was because we saw that there was a bit of a hole in um, new player resources. And just because we couldn't go out and physically see new players, we still had that drive to you know, teach and help other people get interested in the game. And so that's why Concilium Watch sort of happened over the pandemic. So I and I got a question uh, for you, Nathan. Since you're doing a lot of the TTS gaming, um, how do you feel that compares? Like, do you feel uh, like like if, if a new player gets into it through TTS or or that's kind of their um, at least lead in because they're excited about it and pandemic and all that stuff? How do you how do you feel that compares to saying the actual tabletop experience? There are definitely differences. I will say that. Um... Besides the fact that, I mean, like, there, nothing's going to uh, replace the fact, like, the, the tactile action of throwing some dice down on a table. Like, nothing's going to top that ever. But TTS offers a lot of uh, maybe strengths that you wouldn't normally get in a, uh in-person event. Like, if you're a brand new player and you want to play on one of these super cool tables that you've seen other people's play on, but maybe you don't want to, you know, put in and uh, purchase all of that like big terrain and stuff. 
well, on TTS, you can play on skyscrapers if you want. It's it's all digital, so it's not going to cost you extra in order to get into playing something really sort of extraordinary in terms of like on a game table space. Um, we have been especially fortunate in the Infinity community because um, some other community leaders like Vol SC on YouTube, he really went into starting this whole community of people 3D scanning their painted miniatures. So it's one thing to play with like a cardboard cutout of a miniature. It's another thing to play with a 3D amazingly painted by someone in the community model on TTS. It's it just um it just adds to that in-person feel and I think that helps a lot. That's super cool. Yeah, I, the one TTS thing I tried was actually playing Relic Blade. And if I don't know if you guys are familiar with Relic Blade or not, but it's like a one-man operation. One guy, Sean Sutter, he does everything. He does all the art, um, the rules, the modeling, all of it. And the TTS mod is all his hand-drawn stuff. And it, like that was like the one thing that I took away from that was how cool it was to like play with those special pieces that felt like they were like handcrafted for the experience so i can see that really adding a lot to tds tts and i hadn't even considered the terrain aspect and that's actually really fascinating and makes me want to try it yeah i there is one uh, caveat to that terrain experience that i will say is like i do think there's going to be an interesting in-between period where a lot of people have been playing on these extremely dense um tabletop simulator maps and then once we get back to like the normal in-person stuff, you're not going to see as much terrain on a table uh, on average. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are play styles that some people are learning right now on TTS that will have to adapt a little bit in person. Or maybe we'll just start seeing more dense tables on tournaments. I mean, there's always that possibility. I don't know. Yeah. I like playing on really dense boards. My boards are always super dense when I play at home. There were some really complex tables that I've seen pictures of online and everything, and uh, they look amazing, but sometimes they're not always necessarily practical for real-life play. Absolutely, yeah. That was the only thing I saw there. Otherwise, they all looked amazing. We've also been pretty fortunate because like Corvus Belly specifically has been very straightforward in saying we support the tabletop simulator community. So much so that like when we were having this like 3D scanning process of all these miniatures, Corvus Belly actually went and 3D scanned some of the official ones and added them to the mod. And oh, wow. um, also they, they created a whole new um, term- tournament uh, code system where, you know, before it was just in-person codes where you would have a bunch of people coming in for a in-person tournament but now there's an entirely separate tts like online tournament code that you can have an official infinity tournament but on tabletop simulator that's neat that's actually a really neat concept for people who uh either don't have communities or you know say they're in a country like australia where everything's really far away uh that gives them the opportunity to play that's really that's really amazing yeah, it really is a completely different like realm of possibilities with TTS. 
That's pretty cool. Wow. One of the things that I was thinking about with with uh, the pandemic is the fact that uh, there's there's just going to be some people who are just going to disappear, right? And they're going to be like, man, I like having my Wednesdays home. I don't want to go out anymore. So they might they might be a, a, a lost cause and may never come back to gaming because of that, right? But Nathan, let's let's start with you on this one. Um, what what do you think you'll do, or what do you plan to do to re-engage uh, players in your in your community? Because you know you know people like Jesse and Jonathan are going to show up. Yeah. Right. What what do you think? What 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 are you what are you going to do to to kind of bring back those people on the fence or those people who maybe are thinking that they like being at home, but if they see the right things, they might might come back. What what do you what do you think your plan is for that type of situation? Well, I think you are you're sort of hinting at I think what the right answer is, and it's I mean we've got these uh, Facebook communities, we've got these Discord communities. They're already there; they're just sort of lurking. So I think when we start having a lot of in-person events again, taking photographs and posting them online. Uh, just showing people the cool stuff that's out there, you know, even if they're sitting at home saying, oh, I'll just stay here on Wednesday. If they see that there's a bunch of people playing a lot of really fun games on Wednesday, maybe they'll uh, get up off the couch and come out and play. Start start feeling that FOMO. Exactly. And I think that um, there's a lot of ways to do that. Like I, when I was first trying to get people interested because, uh, I mean, like Bob said, we're, we're basically starting over at this point. Um, when when I was first starting out, I was, like, taking photographs of my games and posting them on, like, the Facebook group. And I was, like, basically writing a written battle report on the captions of each image saying, like, oh, this was something crazy that happened. And, you know, if, if people see those, like really crazy moments. I mean, infinity is full of them because of like the mm-hmm. aero system and stuff like that. Um, everyone wants to see their models do cool things. And so I think that's the, that's the thing that will really get people back. Yeah. You know, you touched on something that, uh, I feel like is almost a dying art at this point, which is the, the narrative written battle report. Uh, cause I know back when I was playing 40 K a lot, that was something that people would do, right? If you were playing a league game, you would take some pictures and, and write a cool story about, you know, that game and, and what happened from your point of view. And maybe the other person would be writing it from their point of view. And it just always like, you just kind of wanted to know more, like you create those characters and what they're doing. And, and that's kind of a, a lost art, but that's a good way to do it. Like if you're posting them to Facebook and, and, or even discord and having that, that caption there, to give people that idea of, of what's happening. And, and we've always talked about infinity being a super cinematic game mm-hmm. and that just adds to it. Yeah. If they can't physically be there to see you roll the dice and get interested. I mean, if you write them a cool story, then maybe they'll uh, perk their ears up. Yeah. I, I like that. I think, uh, I think that's something I'm going to have to start doing again once we get going. Um, Bob, how about you? What are you going to do to re-engage some of these people who might be fading into the shadows? Well, you're definitely dealing with two different groups. You're dealing with basically kind of what you would call maybe your lapsed players. And you're dealing with the people who maybe have discovered the game over the past year or so. 
with the lapsed people, I think it's a matter of just showing them that things are starting to get regular again. Things are starting to return to normal. Um, with us, I know that the regular game nights are where I'm going to have to start. Um, and then hopefully over time we'll ramp that up into a return to the monthly events that we would have. Um, I find the biggest challenge I always have is I have to make sure that I'm making myself available to the new players, especially. Um, I have to do everything I can to make those initial games as engaging as possible. Um, there's all different kinds of ways that people can reach out to us. I've got signs up to next to the infinity stock at the two stores that kind of sponsor us, both the tower of games locations that have, you know, my email, uh, and my name, uh, a link to the Facebook page, all of that sort of thing. I had a guy that just reached out to me yesterday based off of my listing on CB's uh, Warcore uh, location finder. Uh, and so I've been talking to him via email and so forth uh, about questions that he's had about the game, um, uh, talking to him a little bit about the community and what it is that we do on a regular basis. Um and trying to get back into some level of uh, visibility on the Facebook page is something that's important. Uh, like I said earlier, that's kind of dropped off a lot over the past several months just because there wasn't that much to really talk about in between the launch of N4 and now. And so getting some level of uh, regularity to those kinds of communications has been one of the things that I've been really focusing on. Um for me, with the regular game nights, you know, we've got two stores in this area, and they're separated geographically by a couple of bridge tunnels. And so what we're doing is we're starting up alternating weekly game nights actually next month in June, uh, where one week, one Thursday night, we're at the Newport News location. The next Thursday night, we're at the Virginia Beach location. And I've got... Some hopes that as things start to return to normal, that we'll actually be able to do weekly at both stores. But this gets us kind of to that area where maybe we're consistent and it gets people to start thinking about how much they want to get out there and throw dice across the table from each other. Um, and as I said, I, I partner up with a bunch of guys in the local area who help me on running those game nights so that I'm not shouldering all that weight myself. Uh, and that's a, that's a big help too. But as Nathan was saying, the, the part of that that is so important is not only just, you know, creating the events and talking about the events before they happen, but also making a big deal about talking about the events after they happen, you know, with the pictures, um, with the uh, highlights of the games that were played to get people really excited and start thinking about, yeah, I want to be able to do that again myself. Uh, and take that shot from all the way across the table and knock out a guy's TR bot or something, you know? <laughs> For sure. Um, so so one of the other things that, that now you guys have me thinking about, um, and and we actually addressed this in another episode with, with A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, but Infinity is kind of at, at its core a little bit more uh, bulky than, than A Song of Ice and Fire. But, Bob, what is... When, when it comes to in, engaging some of these newer players, especially people that discovered the game uh, during during the quarantine, 
what's your what's your philosophy on on demoing the game for them and showing them the game so this way you know they don't go oh i don't well i don't want to play that but so this way they leave and excited and maybe walk out with a box ready to go i feel like you're leading me towards code one here <laughs> maybe uh or may or maybe that's just the right answer regardless <laughs> it's funny i i was never the target audience for code one because i'd been playing since n3 so i never really got that much into the code one but the concept of the product is 100 percent the one that you want to use uh when you're trying to introduce somebody new um i think if for me if i'm going out and i'm hoping that I'm going to be there for a few hours on a Thursday night doing some demo games for people. I'm making, I'm bringing at least two of my armies. I'm making up some very simple uh, lists, you know, uh, two or three light infantry and a heavy infantry of some sort so that they can play around with it, but nothing that gets mm-hmm. too far into some of the, uh, the more complicated concepts like camouflage and drop troops and that sort of thing. And if I've got right. the army lists and everything already printed, I've got models available for people to already use, painted, of course, uh, and I've got a table full of terrain set up, then I've got everything I need where they don't really need to contribute anything except for 15, 20, 30 minutes of their time to give the game a shot with my stuff. So it's it's really about trying to show some of the depth of the game uh without overwhelming them with it. And yeah, that's, that's where I usually try to go with the demo games. It's very much a code one philosophy, even if it's not a hundred percent everything code one. Yeah. And I think you, I think you actually touched on a really uh, important point and that's, and that's saying, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes of their time. I feel like if you give them like a full two hour game with, you know, 300 points worth of models, it, and regardless of what game it is, giving them the full game is just going to be too much, right? Like, so so breaking it down that way is is probably super important. Um, how about how about you, Nathan? What do you what do you what's your what's kind of your philosophy on demoing? How do you approach it for the new guys? I think Bob had a lot of really great points. Um, I've mentioned multiple times that like having something that looks really cool is very important. So I also have painted models for those starter sets and for me it's just really easy to keep that starter set you know just with me whenever i go to play so even when we've got those uh regular game nights if someone says hey what is this i'll just offer them i'm like hey i've got this set up right next to me uh do you want to sit down and play for a couple minutes it's pretty easy to pick up and uh sticking to those code one rule sets um i actually went a little bit extra and I created like little playing card sized um, reference cards basically with a picture of the model, the range band of their gun and um, like the damage type and things like that. Um, And I find that putting the things right in front of them and showing them that, Hey, this is going to be in the app. So you've got everything you need when you want to jump off and make your own lists eventually mm-hmm. you might have to share that yeah, resource I, with me because that's one of the things i've struggled with is none of the armies i own are actually part of code one 
Mm. And so okay. it makes that part a little challenging, but being able to make some easy reference cards like that, they're even nicer than the army list. I, I love the army lists, but reference cards like that would be a very nice tool. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll put together some sort of like template and send it over. Yeah. Oh, please send that to me because I am a huge fan of cards. <laughs> and uh, I will always, especially if, if you can have a picture of the model on it, I feel like that in Infinity specifically could benefit from that. But that, I think that's a whole other episode we could talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, coming from like, because, you know, you guys are very much in Infinity, right? Where it's like your core game. It's mostly what you play. Um, and you know, I know Bob, you play a lot of blood bowl too. And it's similar. You've got like a written roster or an app or whatever. It's something that you've got printed out. Whereas Paul and I come like from a strong Malifaux background where we're used to having a card that has all the information that we need. And that's, that follows right through to the game that we're playing the most right now, which I mean, it's, it's really between infinity and a song of ice and fire, right? Mm -hmm. Those are like the top two games we're, we're, we're playing right now. And one of those games has really great card resources and, I think it's just a thing that we like. And I think especially for a learning experience, I think the cards, you know, if, if you're doing it for a small number of units, like if I'm doing a, if I'm doing a demo and I want to have three order sergeants and a knight of justice, then having the card with the profiles that I want to use, is just a nice visual way to help a, someone that's new to it. Um, once they get, Oh, see, I, I would do the work. If I had a, if I had a template, I would put, all I would put the picture of my painted model with the rage bands, the weapons, the you know the profile that I want to use, yep. right? And then the back have all the special rules on the back of the card. Like if I had a template, I would do the work for my lists for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess if there's definitely an interest here, then I'll, I'll put the work in and get that template out. Look at that. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely do that for my entire onyx sectoral for sure and then as i moved into the other ones but anyway again that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation <laughs> just because paul has a card fetish <laughs> i i do i've been trying to convince bob for like the past year and a half that cards are the way to go uh <laughs> um all right let's move on from that one well we um, already sort of talked about like most of the questions i think the only question that we really have left um, from our scripted question, because we've sort of answered like uh, through follow up questions the, yeah. the last couple, and and the the only one we really haven't asked explicitly is what do you imagine that first planned event to look like? So are you gonna start looking at like maybe jumping off into an escalation? Are you gonna jump? you know, right to a tournament where you're like, all right, guys, we're getting back. It's limited insertion time. Let's play a real event, or uh, you know, like what, so, and we'll start with, with Nate, what do you think you want that first event, that first experience where you're going to really try to lure people back to a big in-store thing? What do you, what, how do you want that to look? I'm a big fan of the escalation event style. Um, especially because we're dealing with people who have not been playing for a while or have never played and they're just, maybe they picked up like one starter box when over the pandemic and they've been sitting looking at it on their shelves but not had anyone to play with so i think giving someone that very small barrier to entry um will be a great opportunity for new players to come in and just start building and painting models but also for any of our older players i know that a lot of a lot of the people in my community specifically 
have sort of been getting restless with their specific um, factions that they play and have bought into new factions that they haven't necessarily put together yet, but they've got them. So I think that's a great opportunity to engage not only the new players, but the old players that maybe want to try something new. Yeah, I think I think absolutely an escalation would be the place that I would start with some sort of a formal event, like if we were going to do uh, a, a tournament-type event. But even before then, I think part of it's going to kind of depend on the stores. Right now, the stores in my area aren't opening up for events yet, like a full-on, you know, eight to ten people crammed in the store kind of event. But when we do get to that point, I've actually considered the idea of doing sort of kind of like open play days, which is more of just, I get this door to reserve the tables for me. I'll be there. Hopefully I'll get a few of the people that I'm closest to in the, in the community to come out. We'll all play some games and then hopefully we'll get some other kind of looky loose coming in to check things out or other people who hear about it on the Facebook page and just want to come in and play one or two games over the course of the, you know, four to six hours that we're there for that day. Um, it just gives us a way to get people used to the idea that we're going to be doing events again. And it's not something that we have to not give away prizes for. I've got a, a box full of prize support and I can, you know, hand out prizes to uh, people as they play their games. So that's, that, that's one of the things that I'm thinking about starting with before we even move into something that's more officially ITS, which obviously is the direction that uh, I'd like to go. Very cool. Paul, do you have any follow-ups? No. uh, I Oh, yeah, actually I do. Uh, Have either of you guys uh, spoken with your stores and and found out what their their plan is for reintroducing gamers into the ecosystem? I've talked to mine. Um, The... Right now, they are doing tables on that can be reserved by the communities for specific nights. Um, they're not, like I said, doing the large events, but what they are doing is they're allowing us to go ahead and set up these like Thursday night Infinity Nights at the two stores. Um, as we do more of those, they're doing the basic things with COVID and the restrictions from the state. Uh, masks are no longer required in in Virginia, but um, other than in certain areas like healthcare facilities and that sort of thing, but um, they're not required. But they are highly encouraged, and I'm encouraging all the guys that help me with running the demo events to wear theirs. Um, and we are looking at slowly being able to ramp up to the larger all day events uh, when they give us a little bit more leeway to be able to do so yeah um, how about you nathan likewise uh we actually just have started talking with our local store and it is looking like i mean it's looking like the the day might be breaking a bit in june they are planning to open up very similarly to the way that uh, bob's shops are going to be opening up and i think that there's some great opportunity. Uh, we're going to be hopefully getting these dates locked in. And I know that Jonathan is in close contact with um, the managers there. And he's been sort of negotiating for us. And we actually have another opportunity to 
expand a bit because Austin, one of the other people on the Concilium Watch team, he is a bit further away, like an hour away, and he has a local shop that is willing to maybe start uh, hosting some Infinity as well. It's actually kind of a neat opportunity to be able to kind of get in almost at the ground floor again and establish Infinity as being one of kind of the regular games in the area rather than just the the big 300-pound gorilla in the room all the time. Um, exactly. Yeah, I know that Tower had told us that, you know, the communities that start doing the regular game nights now will get preferential treatment or preference when it comes to scheduling events and game nights when the stores start to open back up to regular hours and start to have more of the restrictions lifted. So there's there's a there's an interest in trying to make sure we can get in on the ground floor and be there at the front of the line rather than trying to catch up after the fact. Definitely. Especially like us. We were always the the sort of left behind and now that we've got an opportunity to get our foot in the door, this is a great opportunity. Yeah, that's actually something I hadn't thought about was the fact that this is an opportunity for smaller games uh, to kind of establish themselves and really be able to show off you know, that there is a community and that people are playing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, I, that's just not something I had considered at all, and I think that's a fantastic point. Get in there get people seeing what you're doing and and show them that it's not just you know that other game that everybody wants to play <laughs> honestly it's not we didn't even have that much difficulty coexisting with 40k or war machine or any of the other ones there it was always the magic game the magic yep. events that yep. would get us kicked out or move to a different weekend <laughs> but i totally get it i yeah. mean i know that's the that's the, the moneymaker for the store. So I totally understood it. Definitely. And they were always really very upfront and communicative with us about those events happening and helping us move around before anything got really messed up. Yeah, that's that's handy. Um, well, I know that that covers everything that I wanted to talk about. Kevin, do you have anything else for, for these guys? No, I think that was like super informative and a really fun conversation. Yeah. Um, so let's get into any final thoughts that we may have, uh, on this topic. Uh, Bob, how about you? Final thoughts? Just get out there and start doing it. Uh, now I think unless we fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever else it is you want to do, we seem to be on the path of returning back to some level of normalcy and you got to strike now while the, the, the iron is heating up, so it, it's it's just a matter of doing it more than anything else. Um, you know, find the people in your community that are going to be those allies, whether it's the store management at the places that you want to play the most, or the people that you can depend on to help you, kind of that core group that helps you reestablish your community in your area. I've got you know, a few guys I just wanted to shout out, you know, Theo and Chris and Mike um, and John and Patrick, all are people that um, have agreed to, to help me try and get things rolling again. And without a core community like that, it's really hard to get anything going by yourself. All right. Uh, how about you, Nathan? Final thoughts? 
yeah, I'd just say get out there and um, this is a really great opportunity for uh, your small game or Infinity for us to um, really start establishing themselves in the community. Like we're basically at ground one again, ground zero. So um, just find the people that will get you in the door and get people excited about the game. Awesome. How about you, Kevin? Um, I, I just as a, like a, a thing to come back and circle on some topics from earlier in the show. I think one of my main final thoughts is, especially if you're looking at Infinity, uh, use that Warcore Finder. Um, and and similarly, you can do that for a lot of games. If you want to play Conquest, uh, Conquest has a similar thing where you can find their vanguards. Um, and same with War Hosts, if you're into Wildless Exodus or Mythos or Dystopian Wars. So those can be great resources if your player is looking to get back. And if you're a person that's listening to this because you're interested in starting a community, you know, take heed to the advice um, and just do what you can. Start working with stores and start getting really excited to get out and play. Yeah, uh, my my final thought is uh, let's get out there and do this. Let's get out there, be playing and uh, show people that. Uh, Wargaming didn't go away during the uh, pandemic, and it's probably stronger than ever. I, I think that uh, just the whole scene's just going to come back, and, and once people get out there, uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% true. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, before we go, uh, Nathan, uh, give us your plugs again. Yes. Uh, well, we have a small community here. Triangle Infinity on Facebook uh, for anyone in the Triangle area of North Carolina and uh, we also have Concilium Watch a great YouTube channel resource for new players and maybe old players that want to get more information on your opponent's armies so we've got a lot of great resources there we focus a lot on positivity so uh, great resource to show new players yeah, I'm looking forward to a uh, Onyx Contact Force episode. It's um, in the works. Yay! <laughs> uh, although, although you guys did do Morat and Shazvasti, so I can't complain too much because I know less about them than Onyx, so I, I do appreciate that. Uh, and Austin's uh, excitement about Morats was just absolutely infectious. Yes, he is. He is absolutely a great uh, asset for the team. Yeah, yeah, he he. I mean, all you guys are great. It's a it's a fantastic show. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, all right, Bob, your chance to uh, plug. Uh, you can find uh, my local group on Facebook at the Tidewater Area Infinity Players. Uh, it's a great place. We welcome everybody. You don't have to be local to this area. Uh, we even let in the riffraff from North Carolina every once in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hopefully, uh, we missed. Obviously, the Tidewater Tempest, our large event in 2021, but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get it going in 2022 again. So there'll be a new patch and all kinds of stuff happening for that. So I'm really looking forward to start putting that again together again. I'm excited because I really want to go. Yeah, I'm actually committing right now. If you host it next year, I'm going. Cool. Love it. I mean, we. Yeah. It was really amazing. Same. We uh, first year we pulled a lot of people from Northern Virginia, 
And then the second year, once the word got down into North Carolina and everything that Nathan had been doing, getting the community started up down there, we actually had way more people from our southern neighbors uh, than we had from our northern. So it was it was really great to, to see all those guys come up and spend some time They're taking with us. over. So awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Thank you for listening, and before we go, I always want to plug our Patreon and our Discord. Um, can never say enough good things about our Discord. It is uh, still one of my favorite things to look through at the end of the day and see what everybody's been talking about in all of the games that we have on there, because we have a lot. Um, so if you, if you want a Discord where you can talk about lots of different games, or even if you just want to talk about your game with like-minded people, come join us. There will be a link in the description. Uh, if you really like what we do and you want to help support us, uh, you know, come come join our Patreon. Uh, again, link in the description. And also want to thank uh, Static as a City for the music at the top and the bottom of the show. Um, that's always appreciated. They're they're great guys. Um, and that's about it. Like, thanks for a great show, guys. We we do super appreciate both of you coming on and. Uh, I'm going to be looking forward to having you guys on again. Um, probably do a more Infinity thing centered show with you guys because your knowledge has just been super helpful and fantastic. So appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. Well, you got andouille sausage, you got kibasa, you got bratwurst, you got knockwurst, you got smoked sausage, you got big reds. There's a whole bunch of you guys. You can, and, and that again, I'm just, I'm off the top of the dome. I'm not even really putting any thought to it yet.